God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the, the Bible is a, a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza? Jesus said we'd recognize his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. In church, we often hear how God makes us into new people when we invite him to lead our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. But what does that actually mean? How does God make us new? And what do we do to cooperate with that process? Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Today, we are talking all things spiritual formation, change and transformation from the inside out. And we have a very special guest who is well-equipped to talk about these things. She is all the way from Mossman Park, Western Australia. And if you are not Australian here today, that's the other side of the coast. It's like five hours across the desert. But she pastors Urban Church along with her husband, Steve, and she also holds a number of other leadership roles within the Australian Christian churches. She's the vice president of Western Australia and also a member of the National Executive of Australian Christian Churches in Australia. She's well qualified. She's actually a doctor. We should call her Reverend Doctor, um, has a Master of Arts. But importantly for us today is that she's the founding director of the Immersion Academy, which is a spiritual formation school that seeks to reimagine ancient Christian formation practices for a contemporary Pentecostal context. And I would say a contemporary context that is Christian and even outside of that globally. So, Ali, we are so blessed to have you. Welcome to the show. I should use your proper title, Pastor Ali Cawthorn, Reverend, most amazing, most um, doctoral, <laughs> the, one of the most articulate, insightful and excellent Bible um, ex- um, commentators that I have come across. So welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I I always feel a little nervous at those intros because everyone's expectations are probably super high. <laughs> it's just me. It's just me. But I'm really, I'm really honoured to be here. I, I think the, the beauty of those qualifications is that you live what you talk about and you yeah. practice it. And you've also thought a lot about it. So sometimes we, you know, we're involved with the Holy Spirit in the process of spiritual growth, but you've actually dedicated time and effort uh, to reflecting on that from an academic perspective. So I think Mm -hmm. that makes your thoughts and comments even more powerful. So Ali, um, many people in Australia know you, but perhaps Mm -hmm. some of our guests outside of that context may not have Mm -hmm. um, come across you before. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get to be what you're doing now? Well, I mean, I I don't even know how far to go back, but um, I, I felt a call to to ministry a number of years ago, and uh, prior to that, was working actually in um, the area of health 
promotion and prevention messages, which I loved and sort of never expected to, to feel this call to a, to a ministry um, life. My husband always knew he was going to be a pastor, but but I didn't. So, uh, and then there was a moment where that that call came, and and so being a a kind of a, a heady person, I call myself. I I'm in my head a lot. It's my safe place, which yeah, is we we, we understand each other quite well. I think yeah. on that one. you yeah, have to sure. bury me. You have to bury me out of the thinking hole sometimes. Like yeah. where are you? You're lost down a a rabbit hole thinking. That's where I am. Yeah. Absolutely. So I thought, well, I need to go and get some qualifications. So that's when I started my master's, Master of Arts in Biblical Studies. I had small children at home and I thought, well, while I'm at home with them, I may as well do my master's, right? That's <laughs> what everyone yes. thinks. <laughs> so I did that. And then um, we were on staff at a large church in Perth for a number of years. I was primarily found myself in equipping roles. And then for the last three and a half years of uh, my, my time there, I was the principal of a school of supernatural ministry alongside my senior pastor. And that's one thing about me. I have this kind of dual love, this what would feel like a little bit of a, you know, potential dichotomy, this, this love for academics, this love for study, this love, you know, for being in my head and thinking, but also this deep love for all things Holy Spirit and, you know, those moments that we can't explain, those moments that engage our spirit um, kind of moved beyond just that heady realm. So I've always loved that, loved teaching and leading people into those those spaces. But given that I was so head-driven, I, I really longed to engage my heart in, in greater measure. And so at some point along my journey, I was introduced to the mystics and I started reading a lot of their, their material and they wrote about God in a way that just spoke to the longings that I had um, in my in my heart. And so um, kind of got to know them a little bit more and pursued some more of that. We planted a church then in 2013 um, out of our the large church we were at. And, and that began the most spiritually formative journey for me, I would say, actually leading a church and planting a, a spiritual community. Um, sort of, I guess, gave me the opportunity to to really explore my interior world because there's nothing like the challenge of of ministry and church planting to bring to the surface some of those things. Culminated in uh, 2017, enrolling in um, a doctor of ministry at Fuller Seminary in California. I was fortunate enough to be able to go back and forward pre-COVID times free kind of exorbitant airfare price times um, and really began to have a deep dive into spiritual formation, um, that ecumenical environment with, you know, professors in spirituality that just gave language to some of the things I was feeling and some pragmatic approaches to formation really just opened up that whole world for me. And I ended up writing about Ignatian spirituality, Ignatius of Loyola, um, his spiritual exercises and how that can inform a, a contemplative approach to formation in the context in which um, I found myself. And so we launched Immersion Academy, which is like this eight-month journey, deep dive into formation principles. And I, I would have to say, I obviously did a project as part of my doctoral work and then and then the two years of running the, the program the feedback that I've had from people 
it, it just fuels this pursuit that I have to accompany people into their own formation journeys um, and really knowing themselves, knowing Christ and who they are in him is just the most rewarding mm. journey of them all. So that's a very broad snapshot. Yeah, you know, um, I think this conversation is so crucial because we've just come out of COVID and people had were stopped from doing their ordinary habits of and and including church habits as well and i think we've began to ask those deeper questions like how do we grow what does it actually look like to be a disciple and we you and i talked about this i think sometimes mm-hmm. That a Western mentality, perhaps that's very busy and very task oriented, uh, we've become human doings rather mm-hmm. than human beings. So we we go to church, we 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 do our best to keep the commandments, we do all the activities of a Christian. But what is going on the inside of us? Um, this mm-hmm. this conversation for me kind of sprung in the middle of COVID with my flatmate, and we were watching church on the screen. Yeah, and the preacher said, "God makes us into new creations." What I was mm-hmm. saying in the introduction, and my flatmate stares at the screen and looks at me, and she says, "Yeah, but how does that happen? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how does it actually work? Because we've all mm-hmm. got baggage, we've got mm-hmm. our fears and our anxieties, and um, we've we've got all our." stuff from our childhood and the things that we carry that stops us from being spiritually mature. So Mm -hmm. what is, in a nutshell, this is a very loaded question. (laughs) I know we haven't got a huge amount of time, but how does that work? We know that the spirit is involved to to help us grow, but what does that actually Mm -hmm. look like in a practical grounded way? Mm, yeah, great question. And and look, ultimately, we are trying to unpack mystery. The work of the spirit, you know, there is some mystery to it. But I think it's important to note that this is a work of the spirit, that we can position ourselves to be open to the grace that the spirit offers. But um, it is, it's, it's, it's a work of, of God. Uh, it's, it's not anything necessarily that we've done. It's not like, look what I've done. I've made myself new. I've, uh, I've, I've been transformed. We can say, no, I've positioned myself to be open to the transforming presence of, of Christ and the fruit of that. And the result of that is now, you know, this ongoing revelation, this ongoing unfolding, of, and I guess I like to use the word true. So it's not necessarily my new self, but my true self. And I, I think that. that so, yeah, so much of our formation journey, so much of our spiritual formation is actually about unlearning and letting go um, of false images and ideas that we have about God, about ourselves, about embedded behaviors that we have that are are rooted actually in our subconscious. And so, you know, we've learned these things through various seasons of our lives. They have been required. They've been necessary. They've been things that we thought we needed to do or be, to be loved, to be safe, to be significant. I mean, some of these things are actually universal human longings. They're not bad in and of themselves. They're part of who we are. 
but we try to meet them in unhealthy ways or in ways that then create false ways of being, masks we wear, behaviours that we undertake um, in an attempt to satisfy some of those things. So, mm. you know, in the end, our ego is in firm control. These false ways of being are in firm control. Um, but when it comes to, to to being, to being our our, our true self, we, we are answering an invitation that Christ continues uh, to offer us, to let go of those false ways of being, those masks, those yeah. learning. I, I, um, I used to smile when people would say, you know, um, when I when I follow God, I become more like Jesus. And I would think mm-hmm. to myself, I don't want to be a 33-year-old Middle Eastern man. <laughs> what, what do we mean by that? We, mm-hmm. well, I feel like, and this has been my reality, I've become more like Tanya. Exactly. It's, and it's the image of God. So what we mean when we say that is that we become, if we're made in the image of God, we become the person that God created us to be. And we reflect his image in the attributes that of, of being fully human, um, but being mm-hmm. truly human. So all of those death producing behaviors, attitudes, sin, have we've been set free from. So that mm-hmm. that is our goal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And in that, that's what we mean when we say Christ-like, I think. Yeah. We don't mean become literally more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus shows us what it is to be fully human because mm-hmm. all the baggage which is death-producing, we are set free from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love Dallas Willard has this quote that for me sums that up beautifully. And he says, I'm learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were me. So yes. if, if if Jesus were living my life, how would he live it? And that's yes. what I'm I'm from him it's yes. it's not necessarily to do everything he did but i'm learning how to do everything i do in the yes. manner that he did yes I love yes yes and that's so true because it, um if the spirit speaks is the continuing voice of jesus and we are listening yeah. to the spirit being led by the spirit being filled with the spirit then that would be the outcome that we would expect i love that mm-hmm. I love that imagery. So it is a mystery and it is different for everyone, I think. Um, The path of transformation, the path of growth is never, Mm -hmm. your your journey is not the same as my journey. That's what I love about the spirit because the spirit knows that. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of Mm -hmm. a time in your life where you feel like God has directly formed you? Well, I mean, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so for me personally, it was introducing into my own spiritual rhythm more contemplative practices, and I, I, I am generalizing, and I, I, I clearly state my generalization. But you know, I came to faith in a Pentecostal context, um, and a lot of the disciplines and ways to be transformed were disciplines of engagement. It was about doing. It was about coming to church. It was about serving. It was about, you know, worshipping. And they are part of the various disciplines or spiritual invitations, I like to call them. But when you actually start to to read the mystics and you get 
you know, um, deeper into the formation. Can we just go back a step? Um, Tell me how you would define the mystics. Um, So they're they're Christian um, mystic writers who have a deep um, understanding of their union with God through the spirit uh, and their entire lives are captivated by by Christ, and um, and then outworked in their various contexts. And and you know there is there's so many of them. I have an anthology sitting on my desk right now, but I have my favorites. So obviously they're, they're people that know the Holy Spirit really well. They do. Can I, can I call? Can I Absolutely. Um, because yeah. I think sometimes people get the 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 word mystic. It feels like it belongs in a different generation and in a in the Catholic tradition. And what does that actually look like? You know, Teresa of Avila, Ignatius of Loyola, John of the Cross. And in our mind's eye, they feel like these, you know, post partly medieval characters that are dressed in habits and live in convents and spend a lot of time on their own. But that's mm-hmm. not really what you're getting at. You're saying that these people who've gone before us have some incredible wisdom and depth of understanding about the ways of the spirit that we can learn from. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way of explaining it. Yeah, and when they write about their the depth and their relationship with the Lord, it just it just calls to the depths of of my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Profound. We're talking to the Reverend Dr. Ali Cawthorn over in Western Australia about her journey of spiritual formation and what she brings to help others engage in that same process to become more like Jesus, but also more like ourselves. We'll be back in just a moment to talk more. Did you know that dreams and visions are the most common way God spoke in biblical history? And God still speaks in this powerful and creative way today. Of course, not every dream is from God. So how do we know when it is? And how do we understand the strange scenes that appear in our dreams? The globally renowned God Dreams online course answers these questions and more. It includes six teaching videos, a downloadable study guide and interaction with the God Conversations team. We've kept the price super low to make it accessible to everyone. Be equipped to hear God's voice in dreams and visions. Register today at godconversations.com forward slash courses. Welcome back to God Conversations. We're talking with Reverend Dr. Ali Cawthorn on the topic of partnering with the spirit in spiritual formation and how the spirit forms us. Ali sharing a little bit of what that looked like in her own life. Take it away, Ali. Yeah, so I mentioned before that obviously in the context in which I came to faith, it was very much about disciplines of engagement. But uh, in the formation literature, the 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 bedrock, if you like, of that deeper formation is really silence and solitude. It's the slowed down practices. It's the practices that um, you know invite you to have a very reflective kind of life, some self awareness. Um, and so, you know, prayer, the, the Jesus prayer of the Eastern Orthodox, I, I particularly love that. It's it, it's a slow down prayer. It's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Um, and just with this focus on, on Jesus, 
you know, you can start with sort of five, 10 minutes of that, but it just, it brings everything. It settles everything into your, your, um, into yourself and allows you to commune with God in a different way. Slow down reading of, of the Bible. Again, my, you know, historical context of, in my faith has been about reading for knowledge gain, you know, memorize the scripture um, and then speak out scripture over whatever issue you're having. And and there is a place for that, but a a slow down read, approaching scripture, not for information, but for relationship and, uh, you know, allowing, you know, the spirit to, to speak in a different way. So rather than say, I'm going to read a whole chapter, I'm just going to read a few verses. I'm going to read it over a few times. I'm going to sit with it. Um, another practice is to take a prayer, even the Lord's prayer, and just to sit with a word at a time and see what emerges. Journaling is is important in that process as well. Another great spiritual practice is to is to journal. Um, I have a spiritual director. Again, that's a practice very well known in in Catholic. Um, circles, but not so much in in the Protestant world, although it is growing. Uh, That was something that was introduced to me through my fuller journey and since then have sat with a spiritual director. And what that is, is it's a a listening space. It's someone who's trained to listen to your story and listen to the spirit and to just pull on the threads of what God might be doing. God's always at work. He's always inviting us into those deeper spaces Mm. and it just have a place to to unpack what God is doing with someone who's trained to listen with that ear is has been transformative for me as well. Um, and then and then disciplining my mind uh, by reading um, authors that have gone ahead that have mm-hmm. you know written some of the classics. I mean, Dallas, no one you can't go past Dallas Willard. A lot of what he's written is 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 you know are now classics in this field. Um, John Mark Comer is someone in our generation who is, you know, like reinterpreting um, Willard for our generation and inviting others into that journey. So all of those things have been part I, of the um, I, I think as, you, as, I, as I listen to you, I think one of the big takeaways is to understand that this, to some degree, takes work. And mm-hmm. I, we could get a bit scared of that word work. But what I mean by that is it's time and it's effort and it's energy, isn't it? It requires giving attention to. I think sometimes in church we love, you know, I've got a problem with fear. Come to the prayer line, be prayed for, and believe that it's gone. (laughs) And often, you know, the truth is that God can sometimes miraculously remove you know, those areas of our lives and we celebrate that. But for the most part, I think the spirit works with us in a Mm -hmm. process that Mm -hmm. involves those elements that you were talking about just now, which Mm -hmm. also requires slowing down and paying attention Mm -hmm. to what God is doing and to cooperate with that process. I love that. And perhaps, um, I don't know about you, Ali, but I wonder if one of the blockages here when we invite people to go on that journey is that it is work, but it's also can be quite painful. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's Because, it yeah, well, it requires a little bit of looking in the mirror, looking in the God mirror 
but we don't like what we see. And I, I wonder sometimes if it's just easy, easier for us to get on with the stuff of life and pretend and mask it and cover it up and live with it, mm-hmm. which can well, be so I- disabling. Absolutely. And I think that comes down to the image of God that we have and the image of ourself. If we understand God as this, you know, inexhaustible um, love who is always working for our highest good, we can bring all of ourselves to him and he will never turn away. There's, there's a, a practice in one of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius right at the beginning of the journey that you go on through these exercises. And Ignatius actually invites you to list out all of the ways that you, he says, turn away from the love of God. We would call that sin. So our tendencies, some of our flaws, list it out. Be really honest about it. It's so confronting. And then in an imaginative space, imagine that you are standing before Jesus on the cross, bring it all before him and have a conversation with him about the absolute worst that you could possibly, you know, be truthful about who you are and that image of extravagant love looking back Mm. at you, great. It's the freedom of some of those things that, you know, all of those things really that have been holding on to us. And you begin to see who you truly are. If you can see who you truly are and the glory of who you are in in him, you recognise that I'm bringing these things, I've got fear, I've got these ways that I turn away, but actually that's not the true me. Mm. The true me is, is free and whole and gloriously reflects God in a way that nobody else can. And so I have such a desire to let go of these things. And, you know, I le- I heard from a, a psychologist said, stop talking about, because I also have, um, I, I can struggle with anxiety. She goes, don't call it my anxiety. Call it the anxiety. Separate it out from yourself because my true self isn't anxious. And so I'm not going to say I have anxiety. Anxiety sometimes has influence on me. Mm. And you know, even having some of those separations can, yeah, can that's help. Good. That's really um, good. And I guess the question would be, who? what am I expecting God to do? Am I expecting him to go, yes, you very naughty girl. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly that's- what I'm expecting, Ali. <laughs> yeah. I believe Imagine. you did that, you failure. <laughs> Okay, that, that right. not, I'm laughing, but that would have been the voice in my head for a long time because yeah. that's 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 my father. And so um so yeah, yeah, that that's what is was it what is it meaning to be spiritually whole? It's rewiring that in the love of God, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, here's the other thing: the goodness of God is again, so mysterious and inexhaustible that it can feel like time. It can feel like effort. It's a discipline, but yeah. you know, I know that I know that the reward yeah. is of, yeah. of him. Of yeah. him we, can't miss, we can't miss that out. Yeah, that's- <laughs> I was talking about this with a friend recently. We're like, how could anyone not go on this journey? Cause it's so good mm. on the other side of it. Yeah. It's so facing down that stuff in truth, I, um, and then getting and pushing through. You have to sit in it. 
and then work through, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? I remember I was talking with you about this the other day and um, I've noticed in myself over the years I would get a card from someone, like a birthday card, and it would have really kind words in it or a thank you card. And I would read, I, I couldn't read it. Mm-hmm. I would, I'd go, oh, thank you. And I'd feel really happy that they said thank you. And they gave me a card and I'd, I'd put the card aside and I'd just leave it there. <laughs> it was like a threat. And I'd be yeah. like, I've got to read it. I've got to read it. And I would try and read and I'd read it and, and it would just bounce off me. The kind words would bounce off me. And so for me then to confess that to a friend, I haven't had a spiritual director, but I've had some really great listeners around me and say, Hey, this is my sin. This is, I mean, sin such a broad term. This is the product of death, of yeah. of absence of God's love, um, working darkness, working in my life, and this is real. Now, God, what are you saying to me? And then practicing reading the words. And yeah. for whatever reason, that has been a part of my spiritual formation. And I think. Sometimes we will go along in life and we're going to hit a trigger like that. We're going to notice something and perhaps this is where the silence can come in as well. When we notice something, you talked about this, um, just in our everyday life, what we suddenly get angry about something or resentful or jealous. Why am I jealous? Uh, And why am I bothered by someone else's success? Why can't I celebrate that? Uh, Or whatever it might be. And then going to God, going Mm -hmm. to scripture, going Mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit and allowing God then to work with us so that we can cooperate in our own growth and getting to the other side of that freedom, however long that takes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when those things arise, something that has helped me is to actually welcome them. Uh, and to be like, oh. <laughs> that's such a strange concept. <laughs> You're not my friend. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> it's, it's are you so kidding? Powerful. What are you talking about, Ellie? <laughs> so, it's so powerful because it positions you in your true self, right? So it's like, okay, welcome anger. And, you know, our, our emotions and even our triggers and our response to things uh, um, are good messengers for us. We don't allow them to lead us, but we have a soul and they they want to give us a message. And I'm saying like I'm an expert. I've taught this, but I actually recently had a, a practical experience of this and I realised that I had been holding on to a lot of anger. And as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, I shouldn't be angry, you know, like I love everybody. Um, and as I began to journal it out, I realised I had judged anger as bad Anger is a bad emotion. It's wrong. I had become very dualistic about how I was feeling about that. And if it's bad and it's wrong, I need to push it down. I need to ignore it. The thing is your, you, your body keeps the score. It, it doesn't go away. You have to. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do what I teach. And I'm like, so I literally wrote, hello, anger. What would you like to tell me? And the message was that, some of the things that had happened through, you know, various circumstances actually were not okay, that, that I have value, that I am I'm the beloved of God and that I'd ignored the reality that, that it hurt me and so it was being stored up. And so the minute I could actually, you know, welcome it, journal about it, 
in the presence of the Lord as a prayer practice, it began to lose its control over me because whatever we're hiding and pushing down, we think, oh, I've got control over this, but actually it has control over you Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're spending so much energy trying to push it down or ignore it. Whereas if it's like, oh, hi, welcome, welcome fear, welcome anger, welcome envy, what are you trying to say to me? And, you know, sometimes it might not be, oh, that wasn't right and you're worth more. And sometimes it might be, yeah, you've got a little bit of a, um, you know, a wrong thought here or you are, you're competing and there's no need to compete. You know, whatever the message the spirit might want to to offer you is actually where the freedom is. And Mm -hmm. I guess the last thing I'd say when we talk about triggers is nobody can make you anything. Nobody can make you mad. Nobody can make you offended. The buttons that you have are yours. They're, they're pushing on wounds. They're pushing on. But when you understand this in a formation perspective, they're all invitations from the Lord. They're, they're invitations to go, hey, you want to be free of that? Mm. Hey, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I like sometimes one of my spiritual mentors talked about people as dipsticks. He goes, people are dipsticks. And what he meant by that was a dipstick you know, it goes into the engine and pulls the black stuff out, but the black stuff was in the engine, not on the dipstick. And it's like, that's what people can do. They can dipstick you mm-hmm. and the black stuff comes out and you're like, oh, but that black stuff was mine. So yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you said too about being open. I think we have to have eyes to see, ears to hear and meaning that this process is very dependent on a heart that wants to follow Jesus and Ah. that as we set our hearts to follow, that's what attracts the spirit and the spirit convicts. The the spirit leads us into truth. So even when the truth is ugly, the spirit's Mm -hmm. intention is to call us into freedom, to make us into the people that we were created to be. So I think just, just as we sum it up, um, Ali, and it's been such a great conversation. You have so many beautiful insights. Um, I think perhaps a a key takeaway is to encourage our listeners to continue to be open to the spirit and what God is doing and to really understand that there's no condemnation, that Mm -hmm. we are all on this growth trajectory, all sinners Mm -hmm. saved by grace. And that yeah. love, I, I love how you talked about the God of love in abundance and even going back to my own little story about finding it hard to read cards of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, What I need there is a good douse of love <laughs> to understand value yeah. and that there's, there's something that God wants to do to clean out the stuff in each of us. So yeah. thank you. Is there a way now, not everyone lives in beautiful WA and can go along to your Immersion Academy. Are there any resources we can come to you about that you have access to for us? Mm, So the ImmersionAcademy.com is the website and you can contact me through um, that website. I am in the really early stages of writing a book, putting some of my thoughts and insights around Ignatian spirituality and the, and the formation journey. So that's on its way. 
Um, but that that's the main ways to sort of contact me and stay abreast of what's happening with immersion. Fabulous. Yeah. And, and, and through this conversation, it comes to mind too, um, we did a podcast recently with Stacey Hellier and she mm-hmm. does um, prophetic prayers and she has a regular podcast she puts out, which uses some of the practices that you've talked about, Ali. So I'd encourage our listeners to jump on that if that's something that they're interested in. But thank you again for talking with us and sharing your wisdom and your heart and oh gosh our prayer is that we will grow all to be more like Jesus and more like ourselves so thank you again Ali and thank you for having me thanks for listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favourite podcast app and remember the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice it was never meant to be a one way conversation conversation